Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. This is a special, special treat for everyone, especially my sons who will be listening. I have a local talent here by the name of Brendan Lauder. And I've known Brendan, I've probably known you off and on for almost 10 years watching you grow and develop. And you came back home from a soccer experience that we're going to talk about that you're actually doing now. But I want to kind of leave it vague now. You came back home and I said, listen, your story, number one, is inspirational. And number two is so exciting and so informative that I wanted to interview you to help other parents and players who may be considering this track. So before we jump in, we're going to go to a quick commercial break and be right back. Welcome to the show. So Brendan, yeah, Inside Scoops podcast is all about helping us parents and players learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another country around the world. And now we've also branched into understanding and learning about all aspects of youth soccer. Your story is particularly interesting to me, and I know it's going to be interesting to our listeners because you've taken, let's just say, the the path or the road less traveled. Yeah. So introduce yourself and tell us what you're currently doing right now. And then from there, we're going to work backwards to understand how you got there. So hi, I'm Brendan Lauder. Currently, I am, well, I'm in the off season, but I was playing in Ireland at a professional club called Athlone Sound AFC. And, and yeah, just back here, just started getting back into it. I had my little break and, and back to working out. So it's, uh, it's good to be back. Okay, so let's go over the blocking and tackling of what you're currently doing now. And then we're going to go all the way back. So how yeah. old are you? I'm 18. Okay, so what year were you born? I was born in 2005. Okay, so you're 2005, you're 18 years old. And this club, how does it fit it's, into the Irish soccer pyramid? Like what level? So it's a second division. So in League of Ireland, there's the premier division. And then the second division is called the first division. It's a little confusing, but it's in the League of Ireland first division. Okay. And just so we get even more context, what's under that? How many, is there any league, how many leagues under it roughly? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I know there are a few leagues under that when we're playing, say, in a cup, like the, the FAI cup. That there's different teams that will play that can compete to the win the whole thing. So I would say a couple, but I'm not particularly sure. And that's totally fine. Now, so do we have context? And I told you, I always like to get into the details. This this first division team, which is right underneath the equivalent of the Premier League, are they all 100% professionals or will they be some that semi-professional, like they do other things? Or these are all professional? Um, I think there are semi-professional players it's it's a professional league but there are semi-professional where some work during the day and, and have different jobs but I'm not 100% sure about everyone the way our team is set up is a bit different as players that are brought in but but yeah I'm not 100% sure but I know that at least for our team the the players are brought in so they're not working another job okay so the players are brought in and they're not working another job yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk, we're going to end it talking about your specific experience there, what your day-to-day is like, but now let's go all the way back. So when did you start playing soccer? And just tell us about that. So I started playing football when I was, I think three. It wasn't, 
that's when I first started playing on a little team. And so I'm from Chapel Hill. So I played in, it's called CSL, which is Chatham Soccer League. And it was just all fun. And then I moved to TFC, I think at the age of five or six. And from there on out, I played there. I thought that was the spot to be until... So when you were at Triangle Football Club, TFC, was that considered club or you were still wreck? I was considered club at that point. So I was there for a couple of years until I really didn't see anything in, I had great coaches, but I didn't really see anything in progressing wise. I know I was still young, but my, my parents could tell as well. So I remember my dad coming to me one day and he, he told me about a club called IDF and he said they're very good. He said he, he saw them play and they, they killed one of the TFC teams, I think 10 nil as one of the top ones. I was like, wow. So I remember going to a, no, I remember I didn't make the first team at TFC. I I made the second team. I was a bit disappointed because I thought I deserved it after the couple of years I'd been there. And I went to the tryout for IDF and the the standard there, even at the young age of, I guess the people were 10 or 11, it was so much higher than I'd been used to. And the coaching, the coaching was, was unmatched. I mean, they were honest with you and they, it was, it was very good. So I remember going there and being like, yeah. It's going to be tough, but this is where I want to be. So I stuck it out, and I've been at IDF for eight years now and progressed through multiple teams. I mean, I have my highs and lows. I started, so the 11 team, when I got there, they had two teams, a lot of players. So I was on the second team, and I guess just through hard work, you keep progressing. So I met, I think maybe after six months to a year, I progressed to the the first team in that age group, just in little tournaments, getting some minutes. And then eventually I became a solidified starter on that team. And throughout my time at IDF, I kept progressing through teams and playing age groups up and it's all in training. I mean, I wasn't the most talented player, but I always worked hard at training and the coach could trust me. So when he when he was picking a team, he knew he could trust me to put me on the field. So he was able to again bring me up those few age groups to to play in tournaments, which was which was great for my development because well, when you're playing in that older age group, you gotta be so much quicker and think quicker and everything so much quicker. So doing that, it just it helps me and I guess get to where I am now. To yeah, after eight years of IDF, best club I've I've ever been with, ever will. Be ever will be and the coaching's unmatched so love it yeah and so in full disclosure my older son adam which you of course know is currently he's born 2010 so he's five years behind you is currently at idf and as a parent i had the same reaction when i experienced the training because i was at another club and i didn't grow up playing soccer so i I didn't understand exactly what to look for, but I kind of knew after about two or three years that something wasn't totally right, but I didn't know. And it wasn't until I experienced, well, my son experienced IDF, but I observed it, that I saw that there's levels to this. And it could be relative because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what you're experiencing overseas now, and you're going to put that into context. But because I have spoken about IDF, which is Interdevelopmental Football Club. We'll put them in the show notes. Show notes Because I have spoken about them in different podcasts, and it's a bit difficult to explain to people because, you know, people think either you drank the Kool-Aid or you're biased and you're, you're trying your best to be objective, right? But it's just different. So if you're trying to explain to someone who is trying to picture what makes them different? What are some of the things that you remember that really stand out to you? Well, I remember being at TFC and the coaches. I mean, 
I don't I think they they made it look like they cared, but I don't think they genuinely cared. I think they're coming in for a paycheck so they could I mean, like, I don't blame them. Like, if that's what they want, it's great. But I remember going to IDF and I mean Coach Andre doesn't need to be doing what he's doing. I mean, I know off the pitch he's studying football every every hour of the day. And then on the pitch, he's working he's working so hard just to make sure that we are getting better. And I, I mean sometimes we don't we show up to training and we don't give it at all and then He's still giving it his all, and it it makes you feel bad that he's almost wasting his time. But you just it's you can tell the difference between someone that cares and someone who's coming in for a paycheck. And with Coach Andre, I can and all the whole coaching staff, you can tell that they come in and they're they're fighting with you. And even though during the moment you might not like it, it's going to be better for you as a person, even if you don't go play football after. Like I know multiple players that some say if they go into the military, their their work rate is different. Like they're getting noticed by their superiors that they are different than others just based off how what they learned at IDF. So I mean that's just it's just it's just the difference between caring and and not 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 caring, but you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. yeah. So there's a few things, and 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 as an adult watching it, I'll try to give some perspective as well from what I saw. Because it's a small club, you're going to get some of the benefits of being part of a small club and some of the disadvantages. Well, one of the benefits is you're going to get the director who is very focused on those younger age groups because that director knows that these are the same kids I'm going to coach and I need them to be at a certain place mentally, physically, tactically, and technically when I inherit them. So it's almost like you're a chef and it's, it's farm to table, right? Well, you got to make sure that they're picking the right ingredients because by the time they get to the table, if you don't have the right ingredients, it's very difficult. And then I think you also have that continuity. But then I also think they've done a pretty good job of creating a, a high performance culture. And that starts with caring about the little details, right? And people give me a hard time. Sometimes I joke with my friends, like you can't show up with the wrong uniform. You can't really be late. We get there 15 minutes early. It's just a, it's a whole attitude. It's you get there and and you arrive at practice and everybody's not out on the field kicking the ball around. And on the surface, you might say, well, that's 15 minutes. The kids could be getting extra touches and having fun. And that's that's true. And I don't begrudge anybody that does that. But it's almost like if you were arrive at school and everybody was in the cafeteria having a food fight, then it takes you about five minutes to get everybody back to what we need to focus on in terms of the lesson. So when you arrive at practice, you got that 15 minutes and and everybody's talking and you can, people are talking, you guys are having fun, you're joking, but at the same time, you're slowly getting ready for the training session. And then things like if you don't have a game on the weekend, you don't like not have training and Training is like a lot, They a lot of days, a lot more days. And it's just a high expectation. And that's just, that's what I think you get from a small club. And I, and I totally understand it. Okay. Now, by you being IDF though, and it's not being, and it not being part of mainstream youth soccer though, did you feel like you missed out on any of the mainstream events, mainstream leagues of youth soccer? So like, let me use Adam, for example. He could technically be in a like NCFC, ECNL, or Triangle United MLS next, or Wake FC MLS next. And that comes with a, with a paycheck price tag of traveling, but that comes with certain degrees of exposure. But you said something that I believe, which is the training is everything. The training is 
without the training, all the other stuff is, is smoke and mirrors. So I was leading you a little bit, but what's your impression? Like, as you were going through this, did you ever feel tempted? Like, man, I might be missing out on this showcase or that travel opportunity. Yeah, I know. I know now they have different tournaments like the MLS Next Fest and different things that might attract a lot of college coaches. But I mean, I never really thought I was missing out on anything. We were still playing top teams. I mean, as IDF, where we were playing the Atlanta United Academy, the Charlotte FC Academy, we were still playing the top teams in the country. And it was still a good level. I mean, I never, I never thought, oh, I can't go to the MLS Next Fest. I got like, should I switch teams or should I go somewhere else? Because it wouldn't have been worth it to me. Because if you try to switch teams, then I feel like that club doesn't really care about you. I feel like they're just bringing you in. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's different when you when you go to those spaces, unless like you're already ready. But I feel like for me, I don't think I was ready until I guess I got to this age to to leave IDF and, and pursue my, my next dream. But I mean, yeah, like the, the things are cool. They ha- they have more pu- publicity and, and more college coaches. But if you're a good player and you're IDF, I mean, you're going to get found. I mean, it's not like you're not going to be able to go to college or go play because if you have that talent, you're going to be able to, to go somewhere with it. Yeah, so we'll, we'll wrap this part up dealing with IDF, but I'm glad I got your perspective on it. I think it will help some people who are, are thinking about they're in a small club, they like the development environment, but they're not sure about the next step as their kid gets older. I'll wrap it, put it in a bow as an adult watching this again. I'll put it in a bow here. A lot of times when you have an influential club director, in this case, Coach Andre, who has many years of experience and has a lot of network, they're able to do a couple of things. Number one, even though they're not in these leagues where there's a statutory obligation or statutory access to all of these teams, they can schedule those games because they know these people. So they'll schedule a friendly. So just for example, two weeks ago, Adam's team played the one of these MLS next teams, but it happened to be the number one ranked one in Virginia, right? And they just scheduled it because, and it was a friendly. They didn't even have an official refs, but they had people repping, but you know, it was just a, just a scrimmage. Right. And they've also played MLS next teams. They'll, they'll, they'll play them. They'll, they'll scrimmage them for me. And what I want for my older son, that's fine because coach Andre is kind of putting them in these positions when he feels that they're ready in addition to their normal league play. And the next thing is when you have an influential club director, they can make phone calls, People know them. When they have someone who they believe is ready, they send you. So they sent guys to the Atlanta Uniteds, the Charlottes, the FC Dallas's, and all that kind of stuff. The downside of that, if we're being transparent, is it's a small club, right? And so your opportunities, especially if you're slightly above average, you're not going to, you may not benefit from all those college scouts who may have been coming to see the top player and then you actually pop in that game, right? There's a whole apparatus that you're going to miss out on, and it's just a reality. So you have to be a little bit more savvy about what you want, what you want to get out of this. So, okay. So now, once you got to, when you got the IDF and all this kind of stuff, and you knew you wanted to take it seriously, what did you do outside of team training, if anything, to, uh, to become a better soccer player? So I really like the game a lot come growing up that's why I kept playing it but I don't think I really started loving it until I was a sophomore in high school and that's when I really wanted to take it seriously was I forget it was it was we had a very good team we brought brought players in and we were going to nationals and I just remember 
every day in the summer. This was sophomore year and junior year because we made nationals both those years. And I'm not going to lie, it's a lot of sacrifice, but every day in the summer, I would be up in the morning. I'd go on a two-mile run. I'd be at the pitch that that day, and then the night I was lifting or doing some sort of strength exercise to get me stronger or quicker. And, it would, of course, it would it would, uh, it would change depending on if I trained with IDF or, or a little load management if I had a game coming up. But I just remember every day doing that. I, I, I mean, I have friends at school. I, I don't think I saw any of them any in the summer of sophomore or junior year. I remember getting back from nationals junior year, and I think the first time I saw them was July 30th. And, I mean, like, it's it sucks, but, I mean, there's the sacrifice you have to make if you if you really want to have a chance at making it. I mean, I haven't made it yet. I, I'm still on the on the path to it but there's it's i mean it's just little things like you're gonna miss out on a lot which it's not it's not fun but if you really want to have a chance of making it it's i mean it's necessary so sophomore year that's when the light bulb really went off on stuff you were doing beyond what idf but all those earlier years did you do any individual training stuff like that those young ages um, or did you just do and don't feel compelled to give a specific answer yeah. But what we like to do is remember, we like to say we we love doing these interviews and comparing people's journeys, basically. Yeah, I don't think I did. I remember because IDF has so much training. I never had a trainer. I mean, I would train at my house, like in my backyard. I had a wall. I'd pass off the wall, turn, check my shoulder, different things, little touches. But I never had a trainer. I mean, I always I always just trusted in, in Coach Andre and what he had for me. Like I never played high school soccer or whatever. Like I never switched up on a team. But I mean, did your up, parents even before, like even before IDF, when you were really young, or then you with IDF, did your parents ever train you? No, they didn't. They didn't play football when they're. They have no idea what was going on. It's. It's. Uh, they trusted in me and they trusted in coach. But yeah, they're just they're very supportive, which is which is all I can ask for. But they never. They never played a uh, football. So, so to your earliest member, when you memory, when you would go out and kick the ball against the wall, check your shoulder, all that kind of stuff. Do you remember roughly how old you would have been when you started doing that? When I started, probably I was probably late with it, maybe eighth grade. I wish I did it earlier. I feel like I would have it would have helped, but I just remember I didn't do as much. I was still progressing a lot as a player in the younger ages, but I didn't do as much outside until a lot, mostly when COVID started, that's when I started doing a lot more on my own because we couldn't train. Okay. So, but nobody ever told you, did your parents ever come to you and say, all right, now, if you want to be a great soccer player, you need to go out there and do your, do this or do that. Did they ever do that? My dad, my dad did do that. I remember he was like, if you really want to get to where you want to be, I mean, like you're not sitting on the game inside is not going to get you there. And I mean, at the time I was like, come on. I was like, let me, let me do me. But like now I can thank him for it and get, get me out there. I mean, that's when I was at a younger age when he wanted me to do, but it it started because it started coming from me as I got into high school. And like, I was like, yeah, I mean, you can't depend on your parents to tell you what to do at that age. If they're telling you, then you shouldn't be playing football at that point. It's You're not going to have the desire to make it. Yeah. So, all right. So, we're about to wrap this up. So, let's pivot. Now you're a sophomore. You're a junior. When did you realize that you were good enough to play in college? So, I started – I was starting on the te- the first team as a sophomore near the summer. I played a lot of the – I was starting at regionals. I mean, that team was – 
It was very good. I had very good players. And we made some nationals with that team and I was starting and I was like, wow, like if I keep progressing and keep getting better, I could probably have a chance to play in college. And I kept talking with coaches, with, with Coach Andre about it and, and figuring things out. But I I mean, when I was starting, I realized and playing miss with the first team, which the first team was very, it was at a very good level back then. So I realized then I was like, yeah, this could be a, a big opportunity for me. All right. So now you're thinking you could go to college. When did the seed plant in your head that, oh, I actually think I can forego college and go and try to pursue the pro career, pro route? That was after my junior year of nationals, which so that would have been 2022, July-ish. It wasn't really anything that happened. It was just I realized college is great. Like it, it was, it was a simple decision for me, but hard for my parents because they wanted me to go to college. They, I mean, I was at a good school. I, I got good grades and they thought I was, it, it would have been smart for me to go to college, which I don't blame them, but I realized I can't achieve my dream. Like I can always go back to college. I can always go back and do my school, but the opportunity for me to tr- achieve what I want in this, in this game, in my life, it, it, it would, it would swindle down. I mean, I wouldn't have it if I wait. I mean, I could try after college, but even then, I, I just, it's not too late, but to me, it felt like if I could get somewhere at the age of 18 and progress it in a, a team, then, I mean, I feel like I'd have a better chance there to to make something out of myself and, and make a living out of this game. So did you have, did you play with Adi? I can't remember this. Did you go on any of those international trips with Adi? Uh, yes. So where did you guys go? So I went to Barcelona, I think in 2017, we played in a tournament. That was a very good experience. We played from teams from all over Europe. And then I didn't go on the Portugal trip, but I did go on the England trip this last, when was it, April? So probably eight, seven months ago. And I mean, they're, they're great experiences because you get to play against different cultures, different players, different different ways, ways of teams playing. And I mean, I, I always loved it because even, well, in Portugal, not Portugal, in, in Barcelona, I didn't play as much. So it's... I played I played a bit, but the the way the tournament was set up was was a bit weird. It was seven v seven, like fifteen minute halves, and it's so it was very high paced. Well, for at least however high paced the thirteen game can be, but and it was hot. So I mean, it's just different experiences. But I thought it it helps you learn and, and become a better player and see what it's like in different parts of the world. And so when you went on these trips. And it's kind of hard to. This is a very small sample size. I don't know who you're playing with, but did it, did the did the seed plant in your head that maybe I could be good enough to play at that level, or or what? In Barcelona, it wasn't it wasn't really then. I I still wasn't really sure of how things were. But in in England, I played well, played every minute, and I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm good enough to play here. And I mean, I'd already made up my mind that I wanted to pursue. A professional career again have not made it yet but i'm working on it and uh, yeah i realized out there i was like yeah I, I think i'm good enough to to do it so when you guys played in england what was the highest to the best you can remember or the information you were given what was the highest level of team you played well we played this i'm not sure what it's called it was called united select but the players were good i mean they had players they kind of like have bring players in had they do schooling and stuff but they sent them on trials to different teams, like say Reading or other teams in the championship, even the Premier League, maybe. And the players, they're—I mean—they're good players. It's just not—it's not really like a club at a professional level, like our academy. And we did play. I think we played a college team, which had players because I heard they 
they're telling I was talking to one of them and one of them played on their national team, their youth national team. So I mean they that was a good level. That was the third game we played. That was the one we lost. But no, it was I think it was a college, but that was a good level. And the other two teams were I guess academy level. But I mean, to my knowledge, I mean they were good good teams. We won two of them and, and lost the last one, sadly. Okay. So they were good enough for you to say, I'm in the conversation. Yeah. Okay. So let's pivot. Let's pivot to the final thing. All right. So how in the world did you get to Ireland? How did that happen? Well, I, I had um, there was some connections and I got sent on trial during May and I was there for 10 days training with the, the team and I got invited back and then was able to sign in the transfer window during July. So that that's a simple way of putting it. But it's just I mean, in this game, I guess it's all connections, all connections based. So. Congratulations. Thank you. So when you get there, what are your initial impressions to the best of your ability, especially comparing it to your experiences at IDF with the first team? Well, the trainings are different for starters. The trainings, because the trainings at IDF, they're a lot of possession-based games. They're helping you keep the ball and move the ball. But not every team plays the same. Not every coach wants the same thing. So when we get over there, yeah, we have some possession things. But a lot of the trainings, because we're in season, they're, they're tactical trainings for basing what we're going to do in that weekend. So say we're playing a team that plays differently and we have to switch up our formation. We're going to play with that formation and and do different things that will help succeed in that formation. It's all tactical. It's more tactical in those training sessions, which sometimes isn't as fun because you might not be a part of it if you're not starting, but it's, it's one of those things that you have to learn from and, and get better with. And I mean, you're helping the team out anyway, so... It's just different types of training sessions. All right, so let's go over some blocking and tackling right before I let you go. All right, it's Monday. After the trial, Monday. What does your Monday through Sunday typically look like? So I would have a gym session or a light training session in the morning at 11 a.m. And then at 7.30 p.m., we'd have our main training session. And then on Tuesday, we'd have a training session at 11 a.m. Wednesday, we'd have a training session. And then that's it for Tuesday. Wednesday, we'd have a training session at 11 and then a training session at 7.30 p.m. Thursday, we'd have off. Friday, we'd have our game. Saturday, we'd have off. And then Sunday, we'd have a recovery session at 11 a.m. So that's basically it. But then that's not, you're still going into the gym by yourself on other days, working on different things, going to the field, doing other things that will help improve you as a player. It's never, because you're never really, even when you have an off day, you're not just going to sit at home the whole day. You're going to work on something, you, even if it's watching film, even if it's watching some a player that you might want to like work on. Say I'm a center defensive mid. I might watch, say, Busquets and see what he, how he's doing and how he's – and how I can maybe play like – not play like him, but take something from his game and, and make myself better. And you're going to watch football games. You're going to watch everything. So it's, it's, a, it's a full week, but it's, it's good. And so, so you have those training sessions. And then give me, I know you said it's different from IDF. Let's describe just really quickly, we're about to wrap it up, what a typical IDF training session would be like. So, that, And then we're going to juxtapose that to a typical training session if you had to sum it up at your club at now. So like the short version, a typical IDF session. So IDF, God, it's been a minute, but I mean, I was there the other day. So we have a little warm up and then you usually start with a possession drill, nothing too high intensity. So you not really a warm-up, but you, you start with your warm-up in the drill. So it's a little possession drill, not high intensity, so you can get your legs moving. And then for the possession drill, you usually, you usually expand it into a bigger possession drill using more players. Not more players, but more players on the team, more bigger pitch. And then it'll move to something that's been a while, but 
something else. And then usually not a game, but sometimes use the goals and have a different type of game using those. But it's all always focused on the same thing. Every training session has a focus and it's going to show in each of those drills. While in Ireland, a training session would usually, depending on what we're doing, usually start you start with a long, not a long warm up, but a, a longer warm up. And then it will go into some passing exercise just to get your touch going. And then depending if we're working on a tactical thing, you could get thrown into 11 v 11 working on that. And it's, there's going to be lots of pauses in that 11 v 11, but I mean, it's all helpful so you can learn what you can do better the next time and, and how we want to play. So, I mean, it's always, it's, everything's always focused towards something else. So it's, it's good. But would you describe it? And that's good. Cause I mean, even the, when I watched IDF practices and I'm a parent, so I don't know too much about what's going on, but it's going to start off with a very small Rondo type game. And it's constantly going to expand to a positional sort of possession game. Then you add, introduce the goals. You might have those two, the two lanes wide, helping players get wide in the single goal with the keeper that kind of stuff. So I can picture that. But in Ireland, would you say it's a lot of focus is on your individual opponent, who you're going to deal with that weekend? Yeah, sometimes Friday. sometimes we're going to watch film. Sometimes we're going to know what they're going to do. Like some teams might whip the ball and more have a lot of crosses. You might work on a defensive position. You might have four in the back some weeks, might have three in the back some weeks. And it just all depends. But it's not always based on the opponent. But it's, it's sometimes based just on what the coach wants that week and what he thinks is going to make us best, which, I mean, if that's it. So I'm, we're going to work on what he wants. So it's, it's all good. So so now let's wrap up with a couple of culture questions. Well, one one random question and then culture questions. At the professional level, are you guys doing your team environments? Do you do any unopposed, I know passing, but any un, unopposed skill work, like dribbling around cones, dribbling, doing this? Or none of that. Yeah, we'll do that sometimes. In the so at eleven when we have an eleven a.m. training session, if we're not in the gym, we're gonna be on the pitch, but it's gonna be very low intensity, just getting touches. And sometimes you're gonna dribble around cones, you're gonna just work on your touch to make sure it's fluid. And yeah, so you you will you will do not just passing, but you will do some dribbling and, and little things just to to make sure you're getting better. And if I had to visualize it, how many coaches are gonna be out there and how many players are out there? So there's going to be the morning sessions sometimes have less players because some of the players live on, outside of not in our town. But the morning sessions, they're gonna, so there's going to be the head coach. There's going to be the strength coach out there. And then there's sometimes going to be uh, another coach and sometimes the club owner will come out and watch. So there's going to probably be three to four out there, sometimes two. It just depends on the day and, and who's there and what we're working on. But And then player-wise, in the morning, it would probably be you probably have about 15 players maybe. And then at the evening, you're going to have 22 to 24 players. So it just, it just all depends on what we're working on and what we're trying to get towards. Will I ever hear the coach screaming at someone? Yes, you will. You definitely will. The standards are very, I mean, that's why I'm happy I was at IDF because the standards at IDF are the same as the standards over there. I mean, you can't, you can't mess around and, and expect just uh have no like retaliation so you will hear a coach yell at someone I mean it's all out of like it's all out of love I guess like they're trying to make you better and they're trying to make sure the team's better so it's no uh, it's not like personal and you can't take it personal so I mean it's uh, but yes you will you will hear it sometimes 
Yeah, and that was going to be the segue into the last questions, which was just around culture. So we talked about there's a high expectation. So when I think about high expectations and I talk about, think about IDF, that's all I've seen. So take it for what it's worth. You know, the uniform policy, the lateness policy, the expectation you're going to be there, all this kind of stuff. The, you know, if we have a Zoom meeting, everybody's there. There's no, no show, no call kind of thing. But in a professional environment, dealing with adults, let, like, let's just say something that I can picture that my buddies always give me a hard time. Let's say you, you roll out there to practice in a different, you don't wear the team kit for training. Is that even, is that no problem? Like it's fine? No, nah, you'll, you'll be fine. There's a fine sheet and you can't, so it's good. I was at IDF because you learn not to be late. You learn to wear the right stuff. You learn to be respectful and, and do everything the right way. So there's a fine sheet in the, the locker room. And if you, if you're not doing it right, you're going to you get fined. So yeah, oh, you really? You got to be on, on your game. So what about like before training? Do they explain to y'all what they're going to do? Or do you, or, or can everybody just go out there and do their thing and then they pull everybody together? What's it, what's that culture like? So we'll be in the locker room and you'll, you'll wait in there. Training will be at 730. We'll usually get there around 645 and you're going to be in the locker room. Then you go to the gym, you can get your stretching in, but you go back to the locker room. And then the head coach will come in and he'll explain to you what we're going to do, what we're going to work on. And everyone's going to be listening. You got to be attentive. I mean, you can't messing around in there. That's, that's not, not a good look. So he's going to come in, let us know what we're working on. Then you go out, get some touches on the ball, get into the warm up, and then get into training. So it's good. And then, and then your interaction with the other players, is it one of those things where like everybody, people fighting for minutes or, um, What's it like? How do how, how are you friends with the other players? Are you kind of like taking care of business? I'm friends with the players, but you can definitely tell there's tension. You, I mean, you're fight. You are fighting for minutes, and you're fighting for a chance to get seen more and and, and move to maybe a, a better team or somewhere else. So there is a little bit, but you you are you are friends with the team. You're, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be everyone solo and not talking to anyone. But you can definitely tell there's a little bit of like, yeah, I want to start. Or like, if you're not starting, you're like. You're mad, even though you you can't have the mentality of like, oh, I'm not starting and, and be mad at like, oh, the coaching staff or oh, well, I should be playing. You shouldn't be. But you can definitely tell that some people, some people have that mentality. and It's not good. And this is it. I promise. So have you played in games and what is your visa situation? The visa situation? Uh, I don't really know. In other I, words, how are you living over there? I, I can't really talk about the visa situation. I'm trying to get a European passport, which I might be able to, and it helps so much with everything, being able to move and move to different teams maybe. But I need to figure out how to do that. And then, yeah, I have played in, in games and academy games as well. So it's good. Well, what has in. that been like? Has that been well, like way faster? This is the last question. Has that been like way faster than anything you experienced or what? Yeah, it's 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 good. I mean, especially like I play more in the uh, – I play in the academy games a lot. Even though if I won't train with them, I'll – if I need to get minutes, I'm going to play in the academy games. And even that's a high level because you, you bring first team players down from, and they'll play in those games. So it's kind of like a second team almost. So it is, it is a high, high, uh, high pace. And, but I mean, again, when you play IDF, you're always learning to play quick and one and two touches. So it's, it's, it's helped me and got me ready for it. And have the coaches remarked and said, wow, I'm surprised you as an American can play this way. They haven't. They, I think they kind of expect it. They kind of expect if you're there, you can play. They don't really care where you're from. I mean, they'll joke around sometimes with me about me being American and 
and different things that I do and the tendencies I have. But I mean, it's if, if you're there, you can you can play. So they're not going to, I guess, base it off where you're from. All right, guys, this has been a wonderful interview. Brendan, thank you for your time. I know it's getting late. I really appreciate you sacrificing your time. Of course. I think uh, this has been a wonderful show. It's something that I'm going to share with my sons as well so they can see that, you know, even if you're at a small club, you can have big dreams. You never know where it's going to take you. Yeah. Folks have follow-up questions. They know they can chat with me. You can talk to Brendan offline. If you have a specific question, he'll be more than welcome to try to share what information he can. Enjoy your break, man. It's the holiday season. Enjoy it. Don't get too fat, though. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you make sure you stay on your game because I know yeah. you're going to be going back. And yeah. uh, guys, this has been Neil Crawford, founder of Anytime Soccer Training and also the host of the Inside Scoop. Let's get better together.